0: Welcome to the Forward Church Podcast. We're so glad you joined us today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast to stay up to date with our latest episodes. Now let's get ready to dive into today's message. We know you'll be blessed.
1: You know, John, pinning the book of Revelation, who is worthy to open the scroll? They searched... Everywhere, the earth. No one was worthy. But then all of a sudden, the Lamb of God was the only one who was worthy. The only one who was worthy to open the scroll and read thereof. You know, it's something about The spotless Lamb of God who takes away, who removes the sin of the world. He's worthy to be honored. He's worthy to be worshipped, to be praised. And tonight in this room, I'm so thankful for his presence in this place through the person of the Holy Spirit. And I believe that through him tonight, there is freedom and there is liberty in this place and there's joy and there's peace and there's power in his presence, in in this place. Because the one who knew no sin humbled himself to hang on the cross, to give his life for us. was buried, rose again, defeated death, hell, and the grave, conquered it all, overcome this world. And now that he has overcome, the Bible says, now therefore we are made overcomers. Revelation says this, because of the blood of the, how many Bible readers we got? because of the blood of the lamb. See, the lamb removes our sin. Sin keeps us bound. Sin keeps us restrained and held back and weighed down and defeated. The wages of sin is death. But only the lamb who is worthy the one who knew no sin the one who was undeserving of the punishment took our punishment now therefore since he has overcome we are made overcomers by the blood of the lamb because he's removed our sin now we've got a word to share we've got a testimony that greater is he that's within me than he that is of this world death, hell and the grave is defeated Sin is defeated. Sin has no power over anyone who has had the blood of the Lamb of God applied to their life. Give Him praise for how He is worthy tonight. Give Him the best praise. Come on. Come on. Lift Him up. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I want to pray We'll transition into the Word. I'm excited because we're going to actually dive into chapter 4 tonight. You you doubted. You doubted it. But we're going to dive into chapter 4. We've been in chapter 3 for, I think, what, three weeks, Cassie? Is that right? And uh, I just believe God's going to do a work. Can we pray tonight? Can you just pray with me right now? And let's just ask God to have his way in this house tonight. God, I love you. I worship you. I honor you. I lift up the name of Jesus, the name above all names, the name by which every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. There's no other name in heaven or on earth by which we are saved. So tonight we submit ourselves to you. God, we give our hearts to you. We give our minds. We give our attentions to you tonight, God. Lord, It's all about you. Jesus, be the center of it all. From our worship, to the word, to our prayer time at the end. Father, not our will, but your will be done. And we give you the praise, the honor, and the glory for it in Jesus' name. Can we give him a hand clap of praise in this house tonight? One more time. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. How many of y'all are excited to be at midweek tonight? I'm excited to be at midweek, I'm excited to dive into the Word. Um, just a couple of quick announcements before we dive into this tonight. Uh, first and foremost, um, this Sunday is Next Step Sunday, so we're going to be, yeah, go ahead and give it praise for Next Step Sunday. Um, I don't know if, if, I can't find Renee right off the top of my head, but uh, there she is. How many of we got signed up for baptism thus far? We had Okay, some got switched to November, but we had 13 signed up already. You sent out some more uh, invites this week, so I'm excited. We're going to have uh, probably at least 10 baptized this Sunday. Uh, so 10 people are going ahead and taking that next step in baptism and publicly yes. professing yes. Jesus as their Lord and Savior. That is incredible. Uh, along with you know next steps, uh, you have the baptism taking place in the 9 a.m. and the 11 a.m. service. So... Um, don't, don't miss Next Step Sunday, this Sunday. It's going to be great. Um, quick announcement. Uh, next Wednesday night uh, is First Wednesday. Uh, it's something that we do here at Forward Church every first Wednesday of the month. Uh, we have elementary all the way up through the old folk. Nah, I'm just playing the seasoned saints. Amen. Uh, come on, lighten up in the house. Uh, Anyway, so we bring the generations together because we are a generational church, amen? Uh, We don't just minister to one generation. We want every generation to come together. And so next uh, Wednesday is is first Wednesday, uh, bringing the generations together and worshiping. Not only that, we have something very exciting taking place on this first Wednesday. It is going to be Young Communicators Night. Uh, So we've had three people graduate. Uh, The uh, spring internship program that never got the opportunity to to speak and so we're going to give them the opportunity You're going to get three uh, you're going to get a triple barrel sermon uh, Next Wednesday night, so uh, come prepared invite everybody you know and listen Uh, these are going to be some some great speakers some great communicators come expecting but um, get in there with them support them amen them preach it preacher all of that is, is is highly encouraged and accepted next Wednesday night. Amen. All right. So, uh, uh, and one more thing. Home folk, can we give all of our guests a hand tonight? Yeah. Before we dive into the word, I don't, I don't do this all the time on Wednesday night, but I've been doing it for the past few weeks now because we've had some guests show up on Wednesday night. Praise God. Uh, and if you are new to Ford Church, uh, there should be a connect card uh, close by in your chair somewhere. Just grab one of these, fill it out. Uh, You can bring it to to Cassie or I after church, um, and we would uh, love to meet you and just get connected with you. Most important spot is a place down at the bottom. It's a place for your prayer requests. Whatever you're going through, whatever circumstance or situation, God answers prayers. I believe in a God who answers prayers. So uh, take a few moments, fill that out, bring it to me or Cassie after church, and we'll be sure to uh, get it where it needs to go. Amen. Uh, We're going to dive into chapter four of the book that we've been studying, Overcoming, when you feel overwhelmed. How many of y'all believe that we're in a season where people are just overwhelmed? More than usual. And I think that's why this study has resonated with so many different people. Uh, We're finally diving into chapter four of that. Uh, We're gonna look at the second step, uh, the second step to overcoming when you feel overwhelmed. We already talked about the first step. We spent a lot of time on the first step. Come on somebody. But we're gonna talk about the second step tonight and that is look to him look to him we've always got to look to him amen yeah, so, um, yeah, I think I am. check one two I'm on green. praise God We tested it, we tested it in everything we love you Green
0: green zone oh. there we are. White was specifically set to me before service, but that's okay. Um, Everybody give our tech team a hand. We love you, tech team. We love you so much. We appreciate all your hard work. Uh, Those kind of things are just a part of this. It just happens. Okay, so chapter four opens up talking about a man named Tino. Did you know how to pronounce his last name? I call him Wulindla.
1: Anyway,
0: I couldn't pronounce his last name well. That's a good job. You didn't I thought so. I thought it was great. <laughs> so anyways, he is actually, the chapter opens up talking about him. He is a high wire circus performer. So have you ever watched like where they stretch the high wire like from building to building and somebody like balances on the high wire? Okay, this guy has done this. His family has done this for generations. And the book opens up talking about them, that they're famous for walking the high wire without a safety net. Okay, I'm afraid of heights, like very afraid of heights, so I think this is pretty cool. Um, The family is actually named in the the Guinness Book of World Records for walking a tight wire that was 189 feet up in the air and the walk was 300 feet in length. Um, This guy has walked um, on tight wires that hung over lions and tigers and bears, oh my. (laughs) over sharks, over, I mean, this guy's story is incredible. And it's an even more incredible that this was like passed down in, in his this family that actually started as a, a performers for the circus. And then they moved and they, they started doing these things on their own in different venues. But anyways, when asked the secret to walking the tight wire, Tino said his grandfather taught him a trick that helped him um, remain successful and not fall. Can somebody say amen? amen. We would amen. want to know that trick if we're up in the air, almost 200 foot. And that trick was this. His grandfather said, "Tino, what you've got to do to walk the top, the tight wire, and get to the get to the other side is you have to put your focus on an unmoving point that's on the other end of the wire, and you fix your eyes on that one point that doesn't move." and don't let your attention waver no matter what the crowd's doing or if you're if you're performing at the circus no matter what's going on around you this is how you accomplish this task is to focus on a fixed point Focus on a point ahead of you that is immovable. How many knows that that's the same advice that we need in our spiritual walk with God? Because life sometimes feels like walking a tightrope over lions and tigers and bears, oh my, suspended 200 feet in the air. That's what life feels like sometimes. And it's easy in life to get distracted and to take our eyes off of what's ahead to take our eyes off what is immovable, which we know is Jesus Christ, because everything else in life is ever-changing, people are ever-changing, our situation is ever-changing, but Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Can I get an amen? amen? And the Bible says that the way we are successful in life, is just like Tino's grandfather taught him which is to set your eyes on something that is ahead of you, something that is immovable and that will help you balance in life and get to the finish line.
1: Yeah, Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not into your own understanding in all your ways. Does, it, does, 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 does that mean some of them or, or does that really mean all? It means everything. All means all. The Last time I looked it up all means all. In all your ways, acknowledge Him and He shall direct your paths. You know, we are either in a storm, on our way out of a storm, or going into a storm. One, one of the two. That's, that's life. Life, yeah, there's happy news for you tonight. You're either about to go into a storm, you are in a storm, or you're coming out of a storm. Praise God if you're coming out of a storm. But that's a good season to be in. But life is, is full of storms. Life is full of moments that, if, if not, um, you know, if, if you don't really recognize that, can take you by surprise, can catch you off guard. And many of us have reached disaster by placing our mind on the storm instead of Jesus. So we'll, we'll focus on the storm instead of fixing our eyes on the one who can get us through that storm. See, there is chaos in the middle of a the storm. There's chaos in overwhelming situations. But the one who is not chaotic, the one who is, who is firm and constant and doesn't change and doesn't move. He said, I am the same yesterday, today, and forever. Your life is going to change. Your circumstances are going to change. You're going to be on a mountaintop. Then you're going to be on a valley. And then you're going to be in between and your life is going to be a roller coaster but that one constant is going to be Jesus if we can fix our eyes on Jesus we can make it through any season of life the truth God wants all of us to is to see that we are not troubled. He said see that you are not troubled in these last days and we do that by fixing our eyes on Jesus.
0: Absolutely and a large theme of this book overcoming when you feel overwhelmed is that in these last days the world will get more and more chaotic. There will be a greater sense of overwhelm but we can take heart because our Lord gave us advice on what to do in times like these. Matthew 24 and 6 It says this, and you will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see that you're not troubled. For all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. So in our life, we all face storms, right? And my storm looks different than your storm. My fears and anxieties look different than your fears and anxieties. So the things that we we may be walking in or walking over may be different. However, no matter how different our lives and our struggles are, there is all one thing that we have in common, and that's who we need to fix our eyes on. So that really gives us a good launching ground, a good foundation as people in the Lord that we know what I'm going through may be different than what my friend Sabrina's going through. But if she's going through something, I can encourage her because even if it's different than what I'm going through, I can say, you know, the way I got through, I kept my eyes on the immovable. I kept my eyes on Jesus. He's the author and finisher of my faith. And so... We have to look to him, look to Jesus. So the book talks about lessons in survival. That looking to Jesus is the gold standard when surviving the storms of life. So if you want to survive a storm in school, they taught us to go out in the hallway and put a book over our head. Right? Because, you know, that would have just worked really well. (laughs) But it made us feel good in the fifth grade. I mean, we felt like. We're covered out here, okay? to okay. Listen, Miss Smith's got me covered with this math book. Okay? Yeah. <laughs> the gold standard in school was to go, duck, put the book over your head, and hope for the best. But in life, the gold standard is to look to Jesus. Amen. Look to
1: Jesus. And it's what Peter experienced when he walked on water in Matthew chapter 14. I want to summarize that. So, uh, they just experienced a, a miracle of the feeding of the multitude Jesus sends the disciples out on the sea of Galilee Jesus goes to pray on the mountain while Jesus is praying on the mountain storm comes up out of nowhere disciples are in the middle of the sea all of a sudden they see this figure like what they think is a ghost walking on the water but then they discover it's Jesus walking to them And what happens right here is is so amazing because Peter actually says Lord if it's you command me to come walk to you command me to come to you on the water and see that is what he does he steps out on the water and but in the moment of the waves crashing against him Peter does what he begins to sink He he takes his eyes off of who he starts fixing his eyes not on Jesus but on the what the water the waves the storm and then he begins to sink. And it's in, them, it's in those moments in life when you take your eyes off Jesus when you begin, is when you begin to sink. Yeah. See, when overcoming in end times, we must look to him. Uh, explain, this explanation of the Sea of Galilee. I want to, I want to talk about this. This was, this was more like a small, um, this was not really a, a what I would call a sea. When I look out at the, the ocean, I think that's the sea. This was more like a large lake than a sea. It was shaped like a uh, a heart, 13 miles long, 8 miles wide. That's what the Sea of Galilee is. And the storms that strike this lake uh, can create waves as high as 3 to 4 feet in the air, swells as far as 3 to 4 feet in the air. So when the cool air from the mountain hits the warm air of the lake, it would create turbulent winds and waves out of nowhere. It would hit and all of a sudden a storm would arise before you even knew what was happening and the storms on this sea can almost come from just this unexpected moment you would think man everything's great and then all of a a sudden storm out of the middle of nowhere and this is exactly what happened to the disciples right here in Matthew chapter 14. Yes
0: and, and Jesus is praying on the mountain you can look down from the mountain and see the sea of Galilee So it wasn't like in their mind, he was nowhere to be found. They were in the middle of their storm out there alone and Jesus was somewhere not paying attention. How many of you have ever felt like that before? You've been in the middle of your storm and you're like, where's he at? Where's he at? Where are you at? Can can he see me? Can he hear me? You know, the disciples are out there. The Bible says all night long battling, these winds and these waves a lot of you out here brave the Gulf and you go fishing and you know what that's like if you're out there and a storm comes I'm not that brave y'all I don't want to be out there if a storm comes okay I want to be able to see the land at all times but some of you know a little bit what this is like the disciples are out there all night long they're fighting the waves. and around 3 a.m. when it's like the darkest They see this ghost-like figure approaching them on the water. So they're already tired. They've already been fighting all night. The storm is all around them. And then all of a sudden, Jesus calls out to them, be of good cheer. (laughs) It's like, are you kidding me? And then he says, it's I, do not be afraid. It is I, do not be afraid. Put your eyes on me, not the storm. Be of good cheer. I'm sure they were thinking, Are you kidding me? We've been out here all night. So, but at the sight of Jesus, Peter got bold. You know any bold Christians? Like they get in the presence of the Lord and they just get real bold, okay? Well, Peter saw Jesus and that boldness hit him, and he said, "Jesus, if that's really you, tell me to come out there." He was so zealous. I love Peter's personality, and he's like, "You tell me to come and I'll come out there, Jesus." And Jesus like, "Come on!" And so he gets out of that boat and a few steps into the storm, he he's at first he's all zealous and he's like, "I got this, Jesus."
1: Peter's either. Jesus got
0: me in the middle of my storm. Yeah, (laughs) Peter, my man. Peter, he's either on the mountaintop or he's in the valley, but yeah. he's, he's hardly ever, ever on a plateau. Right. So he said if right. that's you, he, he steps out, he's all good at first, and then he realizes the reality of the storm that he's still in the middle of. Yeah. Because just because Jesus steps into our situation doesn't mean he he right away just stops everything that's going on. Right? Sometimes he's just there with us at first, and it's still going on. And we have a decision to make. Or then, once he steps in, are we going to keep our eyes on everything, trying to control everything, trying to figure everything out? Or are we going to put our eyes on him? So Matthew 14, 31 through 32 says, and immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and he caught him. And he said, oh, you of little faith, why do you doubt? And when they got back into the boat, then the wind stopped so it may have felt like to those disciples it's easy to judge peter and be like oh you of little faith peter you just watch jesus feed the five we we'd be in the boat crying. but we would have been we would have been out there crying too absolutely we would have been out there saying where is jesus when i need him the most but what peter had to realize what we have to realize is jesus is not blind in the middle of our storm jesus is not distracted when we're distracted in the middle of our storm, He knows exactly what's going on and He always shows up on time.
1: Yeah, the good news for us tonight is Jesus hasn't gone anywhere. And I don't believe He plans on going anywhere anytime soon. Jesus is with us. The Bible says that He's a friend that sits closer than the brother. He never leaves us or forsakes us. And just as He was with Peter, He's with you tonight. I want to encourage somebody. Jesus is with you and not only is He with you, He's for you. He's for you. He's not against you. If you have fear uh, or you know, present shame of whatever your present circumstances are, you feel like you have wasted years from your past and uh, you just you can take a breath realizing this. Take a breath tonight realizing that the, the hope is not gone. As long as there is breath in your lungs, the hope is not gone. Jesus is still there. You're in a season, not a sentence. You're in a season, not a sentence. And there's a difference. You know, you're, this is not a final sentence. But a season is temporary. Seasons come, seasons go, seasons change. Keep your eyes on Jesus because he's got you. Here's what we need to keep understanding right here. Even in the middle of this, the disciples kept rowing, they kept toiling. They didn't stop rowing. And that's what you got to do. You got to keep rowing by divine instruction. Rowing by divine instruction. The uh, King James Version says Jesus constrained them or he made them go across the sea. You got to think about that. A lot of times we just think that the disciples wound up in the storm just by their, their own choices. And sometimes we do. But this was, in this particular case, Jesus had an assignment. He had something he wanted them to understand. He had something he wanted to reveal or show to them. So Matthew 14 verse 22, immediately Jesus made he made His disciples get into the boat, go before Him to the other side while He sent the multitudes away. They weren't in the middle of the storm because they failed to, do or failed to do something or they did something wrong. That's not why they were in the storm. Jesus put them in the middle of the storm because He knew they would receive revelation in the storm they would never receive from the safety of the shore. And a lot of times you will receive revelation in the middle of the storms of life that you'll never receive while you're standing on the safety of the shore. That is
0: the truth. And it's easy sometimes in the middle of a storm because some of us have been through storms of our own doing. Yeah. And so we'll get in another storm, a different storm, and we'll begin to think to ourselves, "What have I what have I done wrong?" Yeah. And Jesus is like, "This this is this storm's on assignment. Yeah. You didn't do anything wrong. But I'm, I'm going to teach you something." And you know what? If the winds in your life or begin to howl and the waves begin to rage, you need to know that God isn't intending for the storm to overtake you. But because He knows that even in the middle of your struggle, if you can learn to look to Him, you will learn how to be an overcomer. Amen. And we can't learn how to be an overcomer if we never go through some things that we have to overcome. And so the most critical thing that we we do to keep ourselves afloat in a storm is, is to keep going. Don't stop. Don't give up. The book words it like this, keep rowing. Dorian Finding Nemo words it like this, just keep swimming. Just keep swimming. You only lose if you give up. That's right. The book talks about two oars that keep us rowing in the middle of the storms of life and that those two oars are worship and faith. Worship and faith. How many of you have ever just worshipped your way through? Even when you didn't feel like it, you just said, I'm going to worship today. How many of you have had to exercise faith when you didn't feel like you were very full of faith? That's right. Amen. We don't exercise faith when we just know without a shadow of a doubt something's going to happen. We exercise faith when we're like, Lord, I'm struggling, but I believe you are who you say you are. That's when we exercise our faith. Satan wants you to throw up your hands in the middle of the storm and say, what's the use? If I've got to fight this storm, what's the use? But he knows that if you grab the oars of worship and faith and you keep going, that God's promises for you are yes and amen. And that you're going to get to the other side if you will keep your eyes on Jesus. Do you know, I want somebody here to know tonight that God sees you in your storm. He doesn't only see the bad things we do. He sees the good things we do. He sees when we've cried all week long and then we come into the house, to the Lord's house, and we lift our hands anyways. He sees that. His eyes are on you. God doesn't need fancy words or actions. You row, you stay afloat one stroke at a time. One next right decision at a time. One godly decision at a time. You know, you can't always see, you can't always see the future, sometimes you just gotta do the next thing that God has told you to do and be faithful where you are. Because if you keep your eyes on the immovable God, you will make it through your storm.
1: Right, keep the faith, keep worshiping. You know, the disciples rode all night long, they wouldn't, it's not like they were doing nothing. And a lot of times when you get anxious and when I get anxious and we get overwhelmed, you know what we want to do? We want to seclude ourselves. We want to isolate ourselves. That anxiety gets the best of us, and we just want to sleep all day long. We want to lock ourselves in our bedroom. We don't want to get out of bed. We don't want to. We, we don't want to people. We don't want to be a people person. But we know exactly that God knows exactly that that is exactly what we what we need. We need each other, and we need Him. We need our faith. And we need worship together in order to be edified and to be built up and to be encouraged in seasons of anxiety and seasons of overwhelming. And tonight, I want you to know that your inability to see Jesus doesn't mean that He can't see you. Your inability to see Jesus in the middle of your circumstances doesn't mean that Jesus doesn't see you where you are. God sees the times you slip and fall, but He also sees the good in your life. He sees. The times you fail, but he sees sees the good as well. He sees when you succeed, he sees when you fail, he sees your faith, he sees your praise, your willingness to not give up, you're believing and you're holding on. He sees you. Your God sees the good in you, so believe in the promise that he will never leave you or forsake you, even in the storm. He'll never leave you or forsake you.
0: Yes, I love this text right here. It says, it's Proverbs 15 and 3, the eyes of the Lord are in every place. They're in every place, keeping watch on both good, on evil and good. Amen. His eyes are on you. Sometimes you never really know how faithful, loving, and gracious God is until you are in a storm. That's so true. If you're in a storm and you haven't saw the Lord, I want to encourage you to keep looking for him. The best miracle of the story, of this story that we read, is not that Peter walked on the water. That's not the greatest miracle of this story. The greatest miracle is that Peter learned who Jesus is is greater than what he does. He had just watched Jesus feed 5,000, but he learned who Jesus was in the storm, not in the miracle. That's right. He saw what Jesus could do when he fed the 5,000, but he saw who he was in the storm that he didn't leave, that he had authority that he could speak to the winds and the waves and, and make them obey. They learned a depth of Christ in that situation that they didn't even learn when they watched him feed the multitudes. And we have to do that in our life. We have to remind ourselves, the book talks about picking up the breadcrumbs. Yeah. And you know how good it would have been for those disciples when they were in that boat to remember, I serve a Lord who can feed the multitude. And if he can feed the multitude, surely he can get me through this storm. You know, sometimes we got to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus by remembering what he's already done for us. By looking into, into our testimony of our past and knowing if he was faithful for me once, he'll be faithful again.
1: Yeah, so we read in Mark the story of the feeding of the multitudes with leftovers, by the way. Because God is a God of more than enough. And after this happened, the disciples were told to take their divinely appointed boat trip. And when Peter and Jesus got back in the boat, we see in Mark 6, 51 through 52, um, well, let me read it to you. Then he went up into the boat to them, and the wind ceased. And they were greatly amazed in themselves beyond measure and marble. For they had not understood about the loaves, because their hearts were hardened but I want you to understand if Jesus fed the five thousand, if he fed thousands with, with lunch that he got from a little boy if Jesus gave, uh, gave all of that to the multitudes, couldn't he save the disciples from the elements in the weather? If Jesus gave Peter the power to walk on the sea, could he not help him walk further safely back to the boat? Could he have not saw Peter all the way through safely back to him? Yes, he could have, but it was because Peter took his eyes off of Jesus.
0: Yes, and and sometimes when we're in need of a new miracle, we we need to remember the faithfulness of the last miracle. And we need to remind ourselves of that testimony. That's why the Bible says we're made overcomers by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. Um, if you're facing trouble Sometimes you just need to take a moment And remember God's faithfulness The book closes talking about a second storm In Luke 8 Where the disciples again find themselves Out in the middle of the water With Jesus But this is a completely different storm This is a, this is another account Jesus gets into the boat with them This time They're probably a little apprehensive To get in the boat without him at this point They're like if we go you go so Jesus gets in the boat, he says, Y'all get in the boat too, and we will go to the other side. That's what he told them. So then when they got out on the water, Jesus went to sleep. And then what happened when Jesus went to sleep? Storm hit. Storm hit. Jesus is snoring in the bottom of the boat. And I'm sure that his disciples probably felt a certain kind of way about that. Yeah,
1: and so the, the key point with this story, Luke 8:22. Now it happened on a certain day that he got into a boat with his disciples and he said to them, let us, somebody say let us. Let us us cross over to the other side of the lake and they launched out. So the divine plan and instruction was that they would make it to their destination together. Jesus said, let us go to the other side. That's all you need to know. If he said it, it's going to happen. No matter what happens between the word and and the destination it doesn't change because he said it the disciples in fear they thought man we're perishing they said we're perishing, we're dying they forgot that Jesus said let us go to the other side and during the end times many types of storms will brew in our nation in our church yeah, even in churches there's going to be storms There'll be storms, especially in this world. Some will become swiftly. Some things will happen before you even know it. Some will pass. Some will stay for a while. But know this today. You're going to the other side. You're going to the other side. If he said you can go to the other side, we're going to the other side. How will we make it all the way to the other side? By keeping our eyes on him. Remember the stories of God's provision. Recall the stories of healing, deliverance, and salvation. And remember that if God did it then, he can do it now. If God did it then, he can do it now. Pick up those breadcrumbs and remember that.
0: Absolutely. Some storms are sent to discourage us, and some are sent because we have entered into the enemy's territory. So in this particular instance, in Mark, they were fixing to go into an area that had a a lot of demon-possessed people, particularly one man that the Bible talks about. And many times, storms will happen in our life because we are so close to a breakthrough, we're we're tiptoeing into a territory that the enemy has occupied and been in control over for a little while. And so when God starts to do a work in our life and he starts to advance in that area of our life, the enemy will pitch a fifth. Yeah. And that is the storm that was happening. What was happening in Mark was the physical elements were responding to the spiritual warfare that was going on around him. Because Jesus was fixing to get in this territory and set a demon-possessed person free. And the enemy didn't want that. And the enemy thought, if I could discourage these disciples and stop Jesus from advancing into my territory, then I'll keep this breakthrough from happening. But it's in these types of storms that we remember who we are and whose we are. The Sea of Galilee storm was a demonic one, but Jesus was in the boat. Wow. And he's not afraid of demonic forces because he has conquered death, hell, and the grave. He is not afraid. And if he's in your boat, you don't have to be afraid. When he was approaching, the elements began to respond and what happened in the spiritual began to manifest in the physical, right? And when we enter into an area that the enemy has occupied for for a while in our life, we are bringing opposition up against the enemy and he doesn't like that. But we can rejoice in the middle of those types of storms knowing that God is with us. The enemy's goal may be to get our eyes off of Jesus and to keep us from getting to the other side because he knows breakthrough is on the all other right. side, but we've got to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, we've got to keep growing, we've got to get all the way to the other side so Jesus can do the work that is ahead.
1: Amen. Everybody give Jesus a hand. Like <laughs> Amen. Everybody stand. I want to close with this. Your reward is not in the beginning. Your reward is not in the beginning. Your reward is not in the middle. Where's your reward at the end, on the other side? It's on the other side, between sickness and healing, there's a storm. Between poverty and provision, there's storms. That's a part of the victory process of entering enemy territory. The greater the opposition, the clearer your indication that God is going to set something loose in your life. The storm tells you you're getting close the storm tells you, you're right where you need to be, you're getting close. In order to overcome the overwhelming, you must be willing to cross through the chaos. The stronger the storm, the closer you are to the point of deliverance. All we have to do is keep looking to Jesus. We'll close with this scripture, Hebrews 12 verse 2. Looking unto Jesus, everybody say looking unto Jesus the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross despising the shame and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God scripture goes on to say he's making intercession for you and for me if you keep your eyes on Jesus you can't lose even in the middle of the storm even in the middle of chaos whether it's a lesson that Jesus is trying to teach us or show us or reveal to us something about Him or whether it's a demonic attack of the enemy to cause chaos in your life. No matter which it is, you keep your eyes on Jesus. That's the remedy. That's it. That's the answer. Keep your eyes fixed on Him. No matter if you've got sharks below you, lions and tigers and bears, oh my, like Cassie said earlier, you're walking this tight rope of, of of life, but you've got your eyes fixed on the prize. The prize is Jesus. That's, it's always been him. It's always him. What, what more do we need? Amen. Every head bowed, every eye closed.
0: We hope you've been blessed by today's message. Make sure to subscribe to stay up to date with our most recent episodes. To find out more, visit us at forwardchurchonline.com. There you can connect with us, learn more about our ministries, and submit any prayer requests you may have. We hope you join us again soon.